Okay, well, um, welcome to the Think Education podcast. It's April, we said 29th? Or April 30th? Yeah. April 29th, okay, good. 29th. Yeah, I've yeah. forgotten already. Um, yeah. And we're in, what are we now, four, five weeks into into our quarantine period in the UAE? Um, yes. Something like that. So yeah. I'm joined by my colleague, Dr. Tendai Charles. Um, we're both at British University in Dubai. We're obviously both remote, um, in many senses of the word. Um, and we're experiencing in real time, online teaching, the challenges, um, and those types of activities. So it's April 29th, 2020, I think. Um, although yeah. my four-year-old daughter's just started playing Christmas carols. I think time is, um, is losing all meaning. Um, so um, we're, we're gonna have a conversation today about um, our experiences with online teaching. So us in Dubai, right. like pretty much the rest of the world, where they can are, are shifted to online teaching for the last month maybe so something like that, that. Yes. yeah um, yes. and expectation is certainly for the rest of term three you know up until I guess that September term begins and then we'll we'll see how that that goes so we're going to talk about some of our experiences some of the challenges our complete lack of understanding about what the future brings um, yeah. <laughs> and uh, and uh, and what this thing we think this means about teaching and learning so Tendo, um you want to just say a little bit about your background um, how long you've been in Dubai and you know your research interests, etc. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, I used to work in IT uh, many moons ago, uh, and then moved into the uh, field of teaching English as a second language. Uh, did that for a few years, and then did a PhD in education. Um, and so now I've sort of got a background of digital education or educational technology. Um, I've been teaching online to some extent since 2014, uh, when I ran my first blended learning class. Um, and yeah, so I've been teaching online for about six years, I suppose, but not as extensively as now. It's, it's sort of been, you know, during the semester, I'll have one or two classes where I'll have it online with the students, whether it be a real-time lesson or through online videos uh, uh, remotely. Um, but uh, yeah, this is the first time I've been teaching fully online for the whole semester, and it's a very new experience. So it's funny because both you and I in the past academic year have taught modules at our university on blended learning or e-learning. My guess is for a lot of our students, this was a very new topic, you know, six months ago. Now it's obviously a daily thing. So I think you and I probably are either completely prophetic in what we were teaching or we were so wrong that people now look back on it and think, well, that was a complete, that makes no sense at all. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so you've been, you're, you're teaching like me um, fully online uh, for yes. th- this, this term. Um, and you're, but in addition to the teaching, you're also largely responsible for a lot of the development of the, the framework for our university, right? So um, yeah. how's that been going? Easy, fun. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's been very fun. Well, it's been very interesting, I'll, I'll say. So, um, uh, yeah. So, in, in my role as uh, director of the uh, Centre for Research and Digital Education, uh, the university approached me and asked me to support this transition to uh, online teaching. Um, so, the first thing we decided to do was improve our learning management system. Uh, we were using a, a, a Blackboard Nine for several years. Um, which is which is very good, but the user interface isn't particularly uh, helpful. And so initially, students when they see it, or faculty when they see it, and there's lots of text and lots of options, it's a bit overwhelming, and people aren't really sure what to do. So we considered upgrading to a system which is more user friendly, 
Um, and so we compared uh, different products in the market and, and chose one which we thought was suitable for us. And so now the university is upgraded to that. Um, so yeah, so far that's been a, a positive experience. Uh, it didn't take very long to do the transition. It should normally take around three months to do an upgrade, but we finished it in two weeks, which is great for the, for the writing team. Um, and yeah, students quickly adapted to it, faculty have adapted. Um, I'm working on an online course for faculty, which they can use to learn all the features of the software. But for now, just people working together, you know, supporting each other, it's been successful. So do you think, bizarrely then, that the online facility of teaching has actually created a greater community of teachers than would previously have existed in the face-to-face world? Absolutely. I think normally, you know, teaching is very uh, a solitary uh, job. You know, you're sort of in your classroom, just you and your students and everyone, you know, you rarely see each other. Um, just apart from one or two points in the year where faculty will observe you, you know, you get observed by colleagues. But usually you're alone. Um, but now everybody trying to learn and figure out, well, how do we teach online? How do we cope? How do we get students engaged in classes? How do we assess them? So everyone's constantly sending messages to each other now, you know, via email or even WhatsApp groups. So again, there's, there's colleagues who weren't interested in WhatsApp before and have now joined the WhatsApp group to stay in touch and they're all communicating. So I definitely think it's brought people together. Mm. Yeah. Um, I've, so I, I teach, I've been teaching this past couple of weeks um, and one of the big problems that have come up with, you mentioned assessment, and that's one of the big problems that have come up with uh, with my students who are in, in turn also teachers themselves. And yes. they've come up with some pretty creative ways of assessment and, and you know, different techniques. And, and it's all obviously ongoing development stuff. But I mean, what are your thoughts on, on online assessment? I mean, because online teaching is a medium works or doesn't work yes. much the same way that face-to-face teaching medium works or doesn't work i mean you know you, we get this yes. constant argument well how do we know people are really engaging online well how do we know people are engaging yeah. face-to-face like it's not a it's yeah. not a, a massive shift it, you know people are people right so no. but you know in terms of assessment what what have you seen whether it's from academics or, or from students what have you mm. seen as that the main issues there yeah i think uh well there's two types of assessments that are happening predominantly online you've got the written assessments so you've got your students writing essays okay um uh and so that seems to be similar to what we're used to in normal face-to-face context say to students write a four thousand word essay they work on it and and that's fine Uh, i think where we're having the major problem now is in the uh, uh the exams online tests online exams particularly undergraduate students you know maybe high school students as well to an extent um because no matter what you do, you cannot ensure the students are not teaching, right? So I know there's lots of colleagues now saying we want all the students to have webcam devices so we can see the student actually working on the exam. But because for all we know, if there's no webcam, any member of the family could be working on the exam, uh, on the exam for them. Um, some people are going to the extent of saying, well, actually, a webcam isn't enough because we can't see what's happening in the room. <laughs> so they're saying to the students, pick up your laptop, show us the room, and make sure no one's in there with you. Um, and so that, that's very well and good. But even then, you cannot ensure the student isn't cheating. Let, let's say, for example, um, I'm, I'm here now taking an exam. And, yeah. You know, I, I do. I show you the entire room. You yeah, see, yeah. Okay. Uh, guy for sure. He's at his computer. Uh, well, I, I use a, a Bluetooth keyboard. Right. So potentially, I could have a, a relative or a friend in the room next to me who you can't see, and they could be typing uh, uh, for me in, in the test and to move the mouse as well. Uh, also, you've got technologies where you can mirror what's on the screen. So I could have another computer in the other room and somebody else could be taking it there and, and you only see me. So, uh, yeah, online exams are really uh, questionable now. 
I know also some people using lockdown browsers, which which are great. Lockdown browsers are very good because it prevents students from going outside the browser. But even then, you know, you can go to YouTube and you can find kids posting workarounds and hacks to each other. You know, these are 17, 18 year old kids posting these workarounds and oh, this is how I can get around the lockdown browser. You can do it too. So we're really struggling now, I think, with online assessments in terms of uh, real time mm. online exams. It's funny because um, I was taking part in a conference last week, um, the ENAI conference looking at academic integrity. And you were part of a, a webinar that we did oh, yeah. um, about curriculum integrity. And it, what came out time and time again in the sessions there was, you know, companies love to be able to say there's a quick fix. You know, oh, yeah. we've developed this piece of software that can catch all plagiarism, or we've developed this, etc. Yeah. It's like, well, there isn't. There's no, there's no quick yeah. fix to anything. You know, human yeah. nature is going to find its way around. So actually, the the problem yeah. is more underlying ethics, pedagogy. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's mm-hmm. any mechanism, whatever approach it is, is subject to abuse. Right, yeah. you know, uh, there's there's always ways. You know, from when we were in school, and it people, you know, would type, write it really small and fold it up on a piece of paper, and then you know, <laughs> yes. you know um, so there's there's, yeah. there's always ways around this. I mean, and we're not attempting to make this podcast in a here you go, you guys. Here's the ten ways you can cheat. Like that's not the point of this. But <laughs> so what I think it, it it does mean is that I mean, you and I have talked about this a lot in the past. That that online teaching technology is the tool right it, the technology yes. isn't doesn't provide the answer it doesn't give us you know it doesn't make us better teachers um no. it might make us worse teachers right mm-hmm. but it's a tool that's all it is and yes. so the underlying teaching approach is what what really counts and obviously we're in a we're in a fairly bumpy period at the moment and we do hope that normal teaching will go back to normal by september but yes. If it didn't, come next iteration, we'd be better at this because we'd have learned how to do it. And, you know, so it's not going to be perfect now. It's just sort of an evolving, evolving thing. But I'm interested in in what you think about teaching and learning approach. So the the online is the medium, right? Do do you think that what we've been going through the last four weeks and, and four weeks doesn't sound like much, but when you've lived this, four weeks is a awfully yes. long time um, yes. uh, you know what do you think that's shown um, highlighted hidden about sort of some of the issues within teaching and learning generally and I know that's a very very big question but just curious about what your your thoughts were yeah well you just made some very good uh, points there there's, there's a lot in what you said some very valuable points which the audience may have missed I'm just going to backtrack sure because I, I don't remember what I said so if it was a good well, say it again no, you, said, you said a lot of good points well I mean the point you made about um, uh, when you're teaching online it's a progressive experience so I, I said earlier that you know I started teaching online in 2014 if you look at my approach to teaching online then compared to teaching now it's completely different <clears throat> so you know each each semester when I've taken an attempt to, to teach online, I've, you know, tweaked it and improved it slightly. And so, you know, it's like apples and oranges now compared to how I used to teach. Um, so I think for everyone who's been forced into this teaching online component now, um, I think for many of them, it's not working how they expect it to work. It isn't as good as they're, as they're normally teaching in the classroom. And so they're probably thinking, oh, this doesn't work. This isn't good for me. But actually, if they give it time, and like you say, come back after the summer, and continue teaching to some extent online, even if we go back to normal face-to-face lessons, but they take you know, one or two lessons in the semester or in a term to try and teach online. Over a period of a year or two years, they'll improve their teaching online uh, quite significantly, I think. 
that, that, that was one point. Um, also, the point you made about um, uh, you know teaching in the classroom compared to teaching online. So I think what happens is, for bad teachers in the classroom, in a face-to-face context, they're also going to be bad teachers online. All right. So if you have a teacher who spends an hour talking at the students and reading PowerPoint slides and thinking that's teaching, they'll then replicate that in an online context. They'll just have their slides on the screen, they'll just talk at the students, and there'll be no engagement whatsoever. And then conversely, if you have teachers who are quite creative in the classroom, who, you know, they have group work and collaboration, they have classroom debates, and they have project work, <clears throat> because that's their natural way of teaching in a face-to-face context, they'll try to apply the same principles to an online context. Now, where they may lack is training. They may not understand how to do it sure. online yet. And so they need training, like say in the medium, okay, how can I apply this in an online context? But because they have that basic belief anyway, I'm, I'm sure it's likely to, to work for them. So uh, what's interesting about this whole COVID-19 period now is that you're gonna have so many different experiences. You're going to have some teachers who fall in love with teaching online because they may have been really good teachers already anyway. And now they say, oh, I can, I can do all of these things online. This is actually better for me. And they may love it and want to do it more. Then you may have some teachers who aren't very good with teaching online and they despise it and think, oh my God, never again. I can't wait to go back to the classroom. I hate that. And then at the same time, you're gonna have students, I think, with the same views. So if students have a positive experience in the online environment now, when it comes back to the fall and they have to go back to classrooms, they'll think, oh, why can't we continue mm. studying online like we we're doing before? Um, and then if you have students who are not having a good experience now, they're gonna think, well, I can't wait to go back to school. Yeah. And also, uh, uh, I suppose a third stakeholder now is parents, because lots of parents are at home with their children who are studying online. And whereas, if you think about the K-12 sector, whereas before you had the teachers were also, not just teaching, but they were also managing behavior. Yeah. Now <laughs> the parents are at home managing behavior amongst the kids, right? Sort of keeping them all in check. Yeah. So uh, you may have parents who have a negative experience from this now where they, they haven't got time to focus on their own work and the kids are all fighting and things like they're not focused on the lesson and they may think, well, never again, we can't do this online teaching. So I, I think, you know, there's going to be lots of different perspectives that come out of this in a few months. Yeah, I, th- I think you're completely right. And I mean, our students almost even more so because our students are all, you, for the modules at United have been teaching recently, they're postgraduate students and they're all oh, yes. by and large in full-time employment. And because we're in the faculty of yeah. education, a lot of them are teachers themselves. Yes. So we, we've experienced this, in particular in the first couple of classes, where you're trying to teach during the day on Saturday, which is our standard um, schedule for classes. But of course, they're at home, and their kids are at home, and their family's at home. So they're, they're yeah. attempting to come to terms with a new medium where they, they've got kids running around outside the office or, or the bedroom or wherever they're able to you know find some space to, to teach. So I think potentially yeah. the the perception of the online teaching is going to be skewed by the quarantining. Mm, Because if if it had been a, you know, there's a dedicated, you know, 7 till 10 p.m. when the kids are asleep or or whatever, and, you know, the the parents can sort of sit down and, you know, et cetera. Um, And equally, the point you said about the students, a lot of my my students were saying their kids, it's very hard to get them to focus and concentrate. Yeah. Which which sort of contradicts this underlying assumption pre-quarantining, which is, mm. oh, well, technology and teaching is great because everybody that's young loves technology. Yes. And you think, well, yeah, yeah, but they don't necessarily love it for learning. Like, yeah, they, they, may be, they may be very adept at using technology, but yeah. using it for targeted learning and pathway development, that's a completely different mm. thing. 
And I think the point that yeah. you raised about training is critical, and that's come up time and time again, conversation with my students, that it's, it's two, two types of training. One is the being able to use the, the machine or the equipment or the software or the platform. So one is, I'm, you know, yeah. I'm, I now know well, where, which button do I click and, and how, do I, how do I write a message to myself, so the, the practical. Yeah. But then the second is, well, how do I use it to teach? Which yes. is a completely different skill set. Yeah. Right. You know, one is, oh, I now know how to Skype my parents in another country. And the other is, yeah. now I know how to build integrative debates amongst students. And, you yes. know, it's, I mean, it's, and, and I think therefore training is going to be, you know, we're, we're sort of getting on the yeah. job training now, but it's going to be, it's going to be critical. Um, yes. Yeah. I mean, you, you, you bring up the, the point about, you know, what it's like when we go back to work in September. Right? Let's, let's, be yes. positive and assume that it's September when we go back sort of face-to-face. Um, yeah. Uh, I've been reading a lot of very interesting stuff, mostly coming out of North America, it seems, from, from okay. teachers commenting on the teacher experience. So, so, and these are, I think, from what I gather from the post I'm reading, are mostly sort of high school um, and, and below teachers. So it's, it's not university right. level. It's, it's sort of high school and, and down. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. and, and the first, you know, the initial flurry of, of posts were all about, mm-hmm. see, everybody's been undervaluing teachers. We should, you know, teachers mm-hmm. should be paid a million dollars a day, like everything that they do. Right. Because now that, as you said, now that parents are doing it on a full-time basis, yes. they realize, oh, yeah. whoa, this, you know. So there was that, yeah. you know, reconceptualization of the value of the profession. Mm-hmm. And then it, it yes. sort of, the conversation morphed into this thing about, okay, we should not be focusing on assessment. Right, mm. kids are scared. Kids are, as are adults. Right, you know, it's a it's a yes. d- difficult time for everybody. Um, we should be thinking about experience. We should be thinking about mm. authentic discussion. We should be thinking about mm. you know learning. We shouldn't be thinking about assessments. Yes. And yeah. then then the next logical conversation is, then why do we think about assessments all the time? Right. Yeah. So if if we've changed our understanding of what the value of learning could be. Mm. How do we, are we going to go back to being like, right, standardized tests, everybody sit there, everybody felt, you know, yeah. we think, well, you know, that we've got a real opportunity yeah. here to think about what this has taught us about the underlying pedagogy, right? So technology yes. is the tool, it's the delivery mechanism. But as you said, if you're a good teacher, you're always willing to learn, you want to try, you want to adapt. And if you're a bad teacher, you tend to yes. be sort of, sort of stuck. And I was at, um, I was at a conference uh um, in Bangladesh, pre so like mm. early February, right? And um, one of the presenters said something which is so obvious, but was so interesting mm. at the same time. And I, I just never sort of thought of it in the way that the presenter said it. And he was talking about um, learning new skills and sort of developing. Okay. And he was saying, mm. oh, well, constantly, you know, very very common thing we hear from sort of senior teachers and senior academics is, I've got twenty years experience. I've got 10 yes. years, I've got 15 years experience. And, yes. and then he said, but if you've never reflected and you've never developed, you have one mm. year of experience times 20. Wow. I like and you're like, well, wow. yeah, that's yeah. obvious. But I, I sort of never really articulated yeah. it. And you think, yeah, just because yes. you've been doing something badly for 20 years, yeah. you know, doesn't, that's not really what yeah. we want to hear. Um, I was curious yes. what you thought. So, you know, one of the questions is what you think about the teaching and pedagogy. But I, I also wanted to bring it back to this sort of community of practice because I was curious. Yeah. So that question one is about what you think sort of teaching, learning and pedagogy. And question two is this issue of 
the more technologically adept teachers and we talked about this before about the word mentoring but sort of supporting you know do you think there's going to be more um goodwill towards good practice sharing between not necessarily junior and senior but just more comfortable with one medium and less comfortable with the medium Yeah, definitely. Well, okay, so with your first question about the pedagogy of online teaching, I think, um, uh, you know, there's lots of, well, not lots of, but there are some theories out there and models out there, frameworks. Uh, one I always reference is the TPAC model, yep. which I like as a nice way of thinking about technology and, and teaching. Another one's the Sandler model. You know, people hear me say this a lot as well about, uh, that was posed by Ruben Prentador, you know, and he had these different levels of how you're integrating technology into your teaching. And reflecting upon what this is actually doing, am I just replacing what I do in the classroom, or designing something new and creative? Yeah. I like that model because it's a process I went through myself. So in 2013, uh, I joined UAE University, and uh, at the time they had what they called the iPad uh, project. And so on my first day there, and you know I was teaching English at the time, I was given an iPad and I was told, right, you've got to use the iPad to teach the students with, and they will have iPads too. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a techie, I like technology, but I had no idea what, what, what do I do? And so I, I asked a couple of colleagues there, and said, oh, you guys have been doing this, what, what should I do? And they said, oh, there's tons of apps available. And they gave me this website link, and there's about 50 apps mentioned. You can do this for this, this for that. And I thought, oh, well, that's, that's, that's a bit too much. Um, so yeah, so, so I used the SAM model to help me think about what I'm doing for teaching English in the classroom and how this tool can help me to make that more effective. And then that experience then helped me to go ahead and, and teach online later. So I think um, one thing we need to do in terms of training is help people or raise awareness amongst teachers about the different models and frameworks that are out there, out there for integrating technology in the classroom. I think that's where people need to start. Because um, I, I always say to people, pedagogy should be the first thing to think about, and then the technology is the tool later, which, which is key. Um, but yes, in terms of uh, training and best practice, I think definitely there's going to be more of a support network now amongst teachers. Whereas before, you, I think every institution has two or three guys who are quite tech savvy. You know, there's always you know, a few teachers who, who like technology and um, people don't take that seriously, I suppose, normally. But now everyone's referencing those people and saying, oh, what tools should I use for this and how to do that? And, you know, now they're, uh, they're being more helpful, I suppose. At the same time, though, uh, just because someone's tech savvy yeah. doesn't necessarily mean they're a great teacher. Yeah. And, and so, I've, I've, again, I saw from my own experience when, when I worked at UAU again. So there was myself and a teacher from the UK, uh, Anne Elga. Uh, very, she was near retirement, so you know, she was quite, quite elderly, but highly experienced, knowledgeable in terms of how to teach uh, academic writing skills. And so there was an observation process where they would observe all the teachers. And because I was using I, you know, the iPad quite extensively in the classroom, I passed the, obs- the observation, was ranked very highly, and the turned by a great teacher. Um, and then Anne, she failed the assessment uh, or, or the observation because she wasn't using the iPad at all. She's like, I, I don't know how to use it, I don't know how to turn it on, I, I can't do that. So um, she had to reset the, uh, she had to be observed again and she failed the second time as well in that same semester. And then they forced her in the, in the, the second semester to do it. But what I noticed at the end of the semester, see, so we were, um, uh, in, uh, our classes were nearby each other and we had to mark each other's exam papers. Right. So we're both teaching the same level. So these are. 18-year-old uh, uh, Emirati girls, freshman high school, went to public school, and their English wasn't very good. So they scored less than, I think, 4.5 on IELTS, right? So their English was pretty low. And we had to improve their essay writing skills. So the quality of her students' essays were 10 times the quality of my students' essays. So we're teaching the same group level of students. 
um, I'm using technology a lot in the classroom. She wasn't using technology at all. And I was told I'm a great teacher, but her teaching approach was fantastic. So I asked her, oh, and how are you getting the students to write such great essays at this level? Because I'm teaching the same level of student. And so she taught me the importance of vocabulary. And she said, well, just teach them how to use vocabulary effectively. And she taught me her style to teach vocabulary in the classroom every day. And so that was something new. So that was a pedagogy mm-hmm. principle. Yeah. So she, she was at risk of being fired for not using the iPad. Yeah. I was being praised, but I went to her for advice on how to teach in yeah. the end. So uh, I think you, know, you might find some people now who might pop up as gurus, as tech gurus, like, oh, I know how to do this and I know how to use this and I can do Zoom and Google Drive and all these things. But it doesn't necessarily mean that they're great teachers uh, and they're strong at pedagogy as well. So I think this is a, a period of reflection for all of us. Yeah. And we should all be coming together, thinking about pedagogy and technology. And what I like now within our organization is some of the uh, email threads that come up. So you get lots of discussions with people sharing their opinion, their views. And, you know, sometimes you pick up something new. Sometimes you have a different opinion. So it's been an interesting learning process for all of us, I think. Yeah, no, and I, I completely agree with you. And actually, the, the example that you just gave, I heard a very similar one from when I taught, was teaching semester one. Um, very similar where somebody was, you know, because they weren't using the bright type of tech, you know. Um, But it's interesting, so, um, you know, a colleague of ours, Dr. Imad, he and I did a paper together looking at um, the use of technology in presentations for student assessment. Right. And um, it's very similar to the issue that you're talking about, which is the assumption by the student body was if you use technology in a presentation, you'll get a higher mark. Mm. Right, but actually, when we we went through sort of the the proper grading system, that's not necessarily true. So, and actually, the ones that yeah. had better content and better delivery got a higher mark than the ones that were more sort of tech pretty. Um, yes. and I think you're right. It's uh, we're in that period where everybody's been forced into this because of crisis. Some of us are a little bit more comfortable than others because we've we've had some experience. So maybe mm-hmm. we're actually getting used to a new technology rather than a new pedagogy. So you know, it's it's yes. you know we're maybe a little bit more comfortable. Um, but I think your point is absolutely right that um, tech savvy and teacher savvy are, are two you know you can be a very yeah. very good teacher with no tech and you can be yes. a very bad teacher with all the tech in the world like it, it just yeah. it reveals what's underneath um, mm. um, and obviously we're not that doesn't give issues about access and student engagement sense, but just from a yeah from a teacher centric yeah. perspective it's uh, mm. it's certainly very interesting it will we'll be and um, well there's the thing we'll, we'll we'll revisit this in a few months time and just see yeah. How wrong we were. Um, yeah, or... well, and, and just to say, I liked your point earlier about the uh, the students, so the assumptions that young people are great with technology. So um, uh, this is something I've been talking about for a while as well, in, in that, okay, young people, the, the teenagers, they're good at using social media, right? So they're good at using Instagram and TikTok. Uh, they're good at taking photos and using different filters for the photos. You know, and making creative videos and stuff like doing dance moves and things like that, which, which is fine. But uh, they're not experienced with using technology for learning. Yeah. And so they need training on how to use technology for learning, the, number one. But also, I think that often the teachers underestimate themselves because the teachers are all being older, you know, 30s, 40s, 50s, saying, oh, well, I'm, I'm no good at technology. These youngsters know what they're doing. But actually, uh, uh, the teachers have been using technology for years for creating, you know, PowerPoint slides for presentations for doing uh, assessments in Microsoft Excel, ask the student to organize a, an assessment in Microsoft, you know, yeah. <laughs> using uh, maybe stats software like SPF. You know, so I just think that the, the, the parents, the teachers, um, uh, the older generation are good with technology, but for certain purposes. And the youngsters are good with technology as well, but for different purposes. 
and it's just teaching them how to use technology for you know more meaningful uh, uh, academic purposes, let's say. Which does shift the conversation, doesn't it, from technology as a platform to technology as a tool for learning? Yes. Because I mean, yeah. the, the one hand is it's like, oh, no, no, um, I, no, I, I use whatever generic platform that a university has. Well, I, I use that. What yeah. do you use it for? Oh, I put my PowerPoint slides up. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, then you've technically you've it's integrated technology, right? You you've used yeah. this yeah. platform <laughs> within your teaching. Um, yeah. Um, oh, and I, I send out the odd course message. Okay, right. Well, fine. Yeah. Um, but and that's that's one thing. It's just a it's a folder. That's it's a box. Like yeah. it just happens to be yeah. digital, but it's it's a box. That's all it is. But yeah, the, yeah. The, the second and I think a lot of people tend to see that as oh well, that's what online learning is, right? I just yes. Oh, and they've got the internet, right? So they've got my box, and then they've got internet. That's yeah. that's all they need. And you're like, well, that's yes. part of it. I mean, sure. Yeah, yeah. But you know how you access material, where you get it from. And this brings us back to that point, you know, we're talking about with assessment and, and cheating. Like people need mm. to to understand and be taught and trained what you can use, what sources are reputable, um, yes. what you can access, what you shouldn't be able to access, you know, what you can actually incorporate. Mm. And, and then equally academia needs to move along to, well, what is relative sources? Because a yeah. lot of valuable information is not necessarily coming out of a published journal article, right? And so yes. we're now in that new world of, well, what's what's relevant and what's appropriate and how do we yeah. reference it and how do we use it and um yeah you know I, I keep seeing these things pop up online about oh you know kids love reading teach them how to use this and it's an electronic book and yeah. like, we've we've jumped like like what's wrong with like that yeah. that's not purposeful like you know yes no i mean it, it's, it might be cool and it might be interesting or it might be fun and that's great that that's a central yeah. purpose but it should be yeah. purposeful technology i mean i was thinking when you were saying about um you know how how it was used, and I was thinking back to my bachelor's degree, which was in mm. classics, so like ancient history and language. And right. my my professors, I did my degree in England. My professors are if you think of a classics degree in England, my professors yeah. were exactly what you're thinking of, like okay. you know, big beards, white hair, <laughs> yeah. you yeah. know, elbow patches, like yeah. you know, they were they yeah. were exactly that. And right. some of them couldn't even turn on an overhead projector. Yeah. Right. And and that's the equivalent of a light switch. But yes. they were fantastic teachers. Yes. You know, so they walked into yeah. a room. They didn't write anything down. They just told the story. Yeah. They engaged. Yes. You know, you went to the library. You checked out a hard copy of a book because there weren't journal yes. articles. You read that. And, you know, that yes. was it. And, you know, they were. Yeah. But they would not pass any litmus test we currently have on teaching yeah. value. None. No. Yeah, um, no, I agree 100%. Some of my best professors at university, completely non-tech savvy. I had no idea how to use tech, but they're fantastic. Yeah. You know, so uh, that, that, that's, that's, very, uh, that's a valid point, really. So I guess um, our, our job now is how do we harness good teaching through a medium which, which can actually improve it? Right? Yes. I mean, that's, that's, I guess, where we are, right? We're, we're, unfortunately, we're yeah. in that period where... We're, we're just trying to put a, a plaster, a band-aid on something, right? We're, we're basically mm-hmm. just saying, and, and hey, that's, that's legitimate, right? We've got kids um, yes. with exams coming up. We've got graduating classes. Yeah. Like, we've got sufferers. Like, we can't really mess around with this stuff. Like, it's, you know, no. this, this can affect people's lives in the next, you know, X number of years. So, yes. but the, the problem, I think, is it would be a real shame if we went through this, forgot it, went back in September, and just went backwards. Yeah. 
No, yeah, I, I hope that doesn't happen. Actually, what, what I think will happen, I think more... Here we go, here we go, the prediction. Here, here comes the prediction. What you think will happen. Here we go. Right, all right. Well, I think more institutions are going to create instructional designers. So instructional design is an industry that's been growing over the past decade, I suppose, um, but it's still very young. So if you look for a master's degree in instructional design, there's only a few universities that offer any in the whole world. If you look for a bachelor's degree in instructional design, I don't think there's any. Okay. You know, worldwide. So uh, instructional design is basically, uh, instructional designers, they combine between education theory and technology. So when you made the point earlier about, you know, professors putting uh, a folder online and a PowerPoint slide, I think that's online teaching. Um, it comes from that concept. So uh, you know, I've had colleagues and friends over the years who have studied you know, distance master's degrees at you know, good UK universities. And that's been their learning experience. It's been a few folders and a few doc Word documents and that's been it. I was quite surprised, oh, that, that's all that's happening. Um, but what's been happening recently is lots of, well not lots, but there's some universities in the States in particular, and now if you're in the UK, who have employed these instructional designers. And what they do, they actually design the course for the academic. Mm -hmm. So um, let's say for me, for example, they would come to me and ask me, Tendai, what course are you teaching? You know, uh, how many students do you have? Uh, uh, what are your learning objectives and aims? And I would tell them that. And then together, we'd work out, well, how can we teach this course in an online context? They'd look at my LMS system, they'd make it look more graphical, more appealing to the students. Um, they'd make sure I'm embedding videos in there, quizzes, quizzes to test understanding and things. So um, I, I think we'll get more institutions employing instructional designers to help faculty integrate technology into their teaching and to learn how to teach online. So that's, that's one thing I expect to happen. And the, the great thing about that is it starts from pedagogy. Yeah, right? it's, it's not a yes. company coming in and saying, oh, we've got this new shiny platform. No, yeah. You know, no. It's, it's what do you, and exactly, yeah. learning outcomes, what do you want to achieve, how do you achieve it? Because um, one of yes. the one of the issues that comes up time and time again with my students is, you know, well, how do you how do you know that students are engaging online? How do you know that the, mm -hmm. the assessments are authentic? You know, how do you know? And yeah. the question is, well, how do you know that face to face? Like, it's a it's a fundamental yeah. question, right? It's it's not a yeah. it's not unique to no being on a computer. It's it's about mm. information flow, right? It's about learning. It's yes. about developmental stuff. So, mm. um, it would be very nice if that that would be more purposefully driven um, and more tailored. Um, yeah, um, I, expect, I expect that to happen. I, I know in my own experience, when I went to teach them online, so initially it was just thinking about what I'm doing in the classroom and using the salmon model to try and apply it to online context. But then as I did more research, then I learned about this industry of instructional design and they have their own models and frameworks. So uh, one of the basic ones that I used was called the ADDI model, which was, I believe, analysis, uh, design, development, implementation, and then evaluation. So they have this very structured process towards designing your online class uh, and, and course. And so I went through that and that really helped me uh, shift my, my approach to teaching online, which is why I say teaching online for me now is completely different to how it was you know, six years ago. So I expect that more universities and more schools will try to employ instructional designers or maybe even instructional design companies to mm -hmm. do consultancy work for them. So maybe not have somebody permanently there all the time, but they may refer to companies for help and guidance on how to develop their courses. Because I think what may also happen is that people's perspective about online education is going to change at the moment you know like here we have this equivalency uh, process where uh, if somebody has a certificate that was done in an online course it's not it's not accepted i think by yeah. some institutions uh i think that's going to have to change now because everyone's teaching online 
And so uh, what may happen is we might start developing more higher quality online courses. Yeah. And I think that universities will all try to have at least one or two MOOCs, some courses available online. I think schools will try to have some blended learning component to an extent for some courses uh, where it's relevant. Um, so yeah, I think more people will be taking online education seriously in the future. It's, it's interesting that um, the Observatory on Borderless Higher Education a couple of years ago did a series of pieces on online learning and I contributed a few country cases and what came up, um, n- not just in the wrote, but you know, across the whole series was um, a lot of countries around the world did not value or recognize online learning at university level. Like it's, it's, not, yes. it's not a real degree. Right? Yeah. And part, part of that is cultural. You know, it's, it's the traditional face-to-face. Part of it is mm. perhaps very valid concerns about quality. Um, yeah. You know, um, part of it is an understanding of, of what it actually entails, right? So you know, valid, valid concerns. But what was curious was, as soon as you graduated and were employed, the number one tool that companies used to upscale and upskill employees was online training. Yeah. <laughs> so you think there's nothing yeah. wrong with the medium, it's just the, the content. Yeah. And what you're seeing now, obviously, is under our current climate, schools and universities are not reducing fees yeah. for online learning. So by, right. in essence, they're saying it's the same. The yeah. quality is the same. Now, yeah. they're, they're obviously, you're trapped into a business model where you can't say, well, all right, we'll give you 50% back because it's online. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that obviously isn't going to work. But we have had a yeah. shift. We've had a shift where it's like everybody has to do it. We're saying it's the same, or we're, yes. we're valuing it the same. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, we know it's not the same in terms of experience under our current climate because yes. you know people are trapped in where they are. There's things that they can't do. You know, mm-hmm. th- so there are other factors that are, are impacting the experience. But at least as, yes. as a society, global society, we're saying no. Online teaching is a perfectly valid mean of instruction. Yes. So therefore. Yes. That door's open. Now we just yeah, need to get absolutely. better at it, as you say. And, yeah. and good. Then it becomes more credible. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I ask my students in every, almost every class, um, do you think, what do you think the role of the teacher will be post-coronavirus? Yeah. Post, um, and every single one of them said, no, we'll be here. You won't, yeah, you won't lose the role of a teacher, you know, until AI takes over. And if they're listening, yeah. okay. We're, we're on board, we're, we're, we're big fans. You know? um, but yeah, so it's, it's, it comes back to this point we've, we've raised a couple of times. It's the quality of the teacher, it's the quality of the process. Yes. And then the online mm-hmm. is, is the platform. You know, it's the tool. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Oh, All right, so well, we, we can be optimistic, right? We've, we've had yes. a chance to reflect. We've, pro- we've hopefully, as teachers, learned, learned something about our, our teaching style. I've, I've certainly found this term's teaching interesting and challenging in probably equal measures. Um, you know, there, there were like little bits and pieces where the first class, my camera was twisted and I couldn't, I couldn't get it. So I was, I was teaching like this for, you know, um, and, uh, you know, like, so little odd bits of, of tech here and there that didn't quite work. And, you know, and that's, that's always difficult when you're trying to update that on the fly. Like you're in the middle of teaching and, yeah. and you know, something doesn't work, you know, so that, that's, that's can be quite a, a difficult thing to, you know, and I, I missed, I mean, I was teaching a class of about 30 students, I suppose. And um, because of the platform that we use, you can't see everybody's face 
at once. Right. And obviously everybody's got yes. their microphone muted because otherwise you get a lot of feedback. So yes. often for chunks of the, you know, I'm teaching to a wonky version of myself into <laughs> silence. Yeah. And, you know, when right. you, you miss the interaction, the face-to-face, you know, responses yes. that you can gauge, do they understand what I said? Did that make sense? You know, so, yeah. you know but just in terms of, you know, the, the chat capability, students were then responding mm-hmm. by posting videos, by, you know, using yes. audio, you know, being really creative with fairly yeah. limited time and space, to be honest. I mean, it's, yes. you know, which shows the enthusiasm for, for learning. Right, and once yes. people get hold of this, uh, I mean, I think I, we can't go, we can't eliminate it. I think, as you say, we maybe no. we have one or two, you know, so or or what actually it does is we move into a much more blended learning model, where yes, you know, lectures are the opposite of what you said before. You know, where the bad example of somebody just talking for an hour. There's no need for right. that because yeah, you could simply, if you wanted to, record yourself talking for an hour and stick it up yeah. and let people. Right. You yeah. know, so that when they come face to face in class, we're now going to have a debate. Yeah. We're going to have this. We're yeah. going to have group. You know, so if we integrate learning to a more blended approach, you know, yes. you know, it gives us an opportunity to maybe, maybe exploit it further. So, yeah, uh, and I think especially for our students being postgrads, I think they're going to like that a lot more as well because you know, many of them are working full time. Many of them have families. And so to come to campus and sit there for four hours straight, that's a you know, large portion of their day. Yeah. Whereas with this, with a blended learning approach, they can spend more time at home with their families and they can still learn and maybe at their own pace as well. If, for example, you're talking about asynchronous teaching, so you've got like, you know, a, 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 a two hours worth of teaching material available online, but the students can go through at their own pace during the week. Yeah. I think they'll like that more yeah. rather than being on campus for four to eight hours potentially. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, I mean, coming to yeah, campus, think, two yeah. hours debate, conversation, discussion. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. All right, so we've got, we've got some things to be positive about. Um, yes. And, uh, and uh, hopefully, I mean, obviously we're seeing a lot of countries now phasing different sort of elements. Um, so with any luck, we'll be... Well, we're not. We we know in the UAE we're not teaching again this term face to face. So yes, that's, right. we yes. we know that. But I mean, to be fair, we, there's only a handful of weeks left from our perspective as a yes. university. So, um, um, yeah. but yeah, be interesting to see what what happens. So what we should do is then we'll revisit this like a week into the September term and just see you that know see great. see what's actually yeah. what's actually going on. Yeah. Well, thank Especially, you. I'm interested in seeing what we think about assessment when we meet again. Obviously, because this is for many of us the first time we're doing assessments online. Yeah. Even though we've been teaching online for a while, assessments online weren't really a, a no, huge thing. No, absolutely. So yeah. it'll be interesting to see what we think about in September when we when we go for round two. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you very much for inviting me today. Really. Uh, no, no, the, no. Thank you. Uh, thank very you. Interesting discussion. Thank you very much, and um, talk to you again soon. <laughs>